house of the Lord. Thank you for your patience today. I know it's a minute or two late, but I'm telling you, we want to do everything we can possibly do to keep our people safe and healthy in this time of uncertainty. If there's ever been a time, church, we need to pray, it's right now. Amen? We kick off today our 40 days of passionate worship, and as we did last summer, and it's different this summer because of COVID and social distancing, but I'd like to invite all of our students and adults who are going to be a part of our youth retreat that will be leaving tomorrow. If you feel comfortable coming down here, we'd love to have a time of prayer over our students and our adults. And as they come, let me tell you this. Some of you will wonder, where's the student pastor today? Pastor Andrew, you pray for Pastor Andrew. I just left his house a little bit ago. I, we think he probably has a sinus infection. So I just said, you stay home, Adam, an abundance of caution. He's going to go and get an instant test today just to make sure that's all he has. And I was a youth pastor for a long time, and I told Pastor Andrew, inevitably, right at the end before youth camp, when God's going to do big things, Satan will throw in every monkey rich he can uh, to distract and detour what we believe God wants to do. So students and adults, if you, or if you just want to stand where you are, maybe you're more comfortable doing that. Students and adults who are going to be a part of youth camp, if you'll stand where you are, you see my bright yellow bracelet I have on? No, I didn't lose my mind and become a Georgia Tech fan. This is a bracelet with the name of a student. It's Asa Chastain. It's who I'll be praying for this week. When you leave today, there'll be bracelets with the name of a student or an adult. We'd like to ask you to wear that all week and remember to pray for that person on that bracelet. It'll be a great prayer reminder. And you say, well, you got those from Andrew. They're being deodorized before we hand them out. They'll be sanitized before you get one. Mine wasn't, but I wiped it down. All right? Hey, let's pray together. Let's ask God to meet with us today, and students, especially in adults, we want to pray for them. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that in a time of uncertainty, in a time of so many questions, you don't have questions about anything. Lord, we know that nothing ever occurred to you. You're the sovereign God of the universe, and you've got all things under control. We do pray especially right now, Father, for our student pastor. I saw the concern in his eyes about being sick the day before youth camp. God, as he goes to the doctor this morning, I pray that he would get whatever he needs to have full and complete healing. And Lord, we know if you see fit to do so, you can touch that young man right now in his home and just heal him before he even goes to the doctor. We're so excited, Father, about this next week of youth camp. God, we know that what happens at this youth camp is going to have a huge impact on this church. When young people come to know Jesus, when young people make commitments to walk closer to you, Lord, I pray some will even be called to vocational missions and ministry as a result of this camp. God, thank you for the adults that are going. God, we pray for traveling mercies. We pray for health. We pray for safety. And Lord, we worship together today in this place to declare that our faith is greater than our fear. But Lord, you tell us to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So help us to honor you and honor one another with our social distancing and not touching each other, not getting too close. We want to be wise in all of that. More than anything else today, Lord Jesus, we want to lift you up. We want to honor you, the name above every other name. You've already told us if we'll lift you up, you'll draw all men, women, boys, and girls to yourself. So may you be pleased in our time of worship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, church. Good morning. Good to see everybody here. I know yesterday was a busy day, and I know we probably all celebrated just a little bit. Saw a few fireworks. I ate a hot dog or two, right? Am I right? Amen. Just a good, uh, good day. This morning, as we begin our service, I want us to stand. Let's sing a couple of a uh, couple of patriotic hymns. 
honor of our country and thanking God for all the blessings he has given America. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing. We sing those two, and Brother Doyle, I've asked him to come down after we sing the second one and just pray a prayer for our nation right now. Oh, my, how much we need it, right? Let's sing this beautiful song, America the Beautiful. God bless America. Amen. Sing it out.
Let's pray together. Father, I stand here this morning thankful that I do live in this country. And I know that you have blessed us over the centuries, Lord, and you've just brought us through most everything that has attacked us. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to see us through what's going on in our country right now. I feel like our country is under attack by people who want to destroy the fabric of our country. And God, I, I just pray that, that uh, we'll stand strong ourselves and listen to the pleas of the people who are pleading with us to be strong against those that would go against us. And Father, I feel like sometimes our faith is under an assault also sometimes within our own midst. And God, you, you're just going to have to deliver us from that. Father, it's going to be our faith that carries us through this. And Lord, I, I just thank you that you're going to be the one who carries the banner out front. And Lord, I pray we'll be willing followers that we'll keep our faith strong and that, Lord, uh, in the midst of all this, let there be an awakening. Yes. Let there be a revival of our country. And many, many, many people will be saved. Because I know that's what's on your heart this morning, Lord. You want your children to come to you and present themselves. And so, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our ability to be back in here and worship again. And uh, Lord, I just pray for my pastor this morning as he speaks the word of God to us, that you'll grip his heart and his soul and his mind, that he'll say what we need to hear this morning from you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's worship.
Radio Church, let's sing this out. Good to be back with y'all. I missed y'all last week. Y'all looked like y'all were having fun. And I hated not to be here, but that beach, I'm telling you. It was just, it was just too much to pass out. Amen. Let's sing this song together, Living Hope.
Sing that verse again. i 
say amen. 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 worshiping my wife and my children. I know it's common these days, but some of the social justice warriors and some of the more liberal churches who don't want any mention of America or the flag or patriotism in the church today. When I thank God for America, I'm not worshiping America. I'm giving glory to where glory is due. Amen. Amen. I'm starting to get to speak to everybody today. We're running around at the last minute, but if you're here today for the very first time, my wife and I would love to meet you right back here in this corner. We've got a gift we'd like to give you. If you'll everybody fill out that connect card you can hand it to the folks on the way out the door today well today as I said earlier we begin an exciting 40 days together 
40 days of passionate worship. This will be a journey that we take together in our life groups on Sunday morning, whether it's Brother Nelson's, it's meeting online, a meeting in person right out here, or some of our online life groups. There's a Bible study book back there for you to take to prepare for the life group lesson. We have a 40-day devotion book written by different members of our church family right here. There's a family devotion for you to do every Sunday afternoon with your family. You say, well, it's just me. Well, you got four. You got you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you do that family devotion on Sunday afternoons. And then our worship services together. We're going to focus for 40 days. What does it mean to passionately worship Jesus Christ? Because it's not just the act of singing, it's the object of our worship that we're talking about. What is our ultimate purpose? Well, I say it all the time. I hope you get tired of me saying it. I hope you get tired of me saying it to the point that you can say it instead of me saying it. At Airline Baptist Church, we exist to connect people with God and with one another, to grow together in our walk with the Lord, that's discipleship, to serve God by serving others, that's ministry, and our ultimate purpose is to honor God with our lives. When we say that, we're talking about worship. I'm so thankful for my friend Dr. Jim Perdue and Minister of Education Matthew Gibbs who kind of laid out this format for us. Our life group curriculum, in fact, was written by my friend Matthew Gibbs as we do this 40 days. Now, I know for many of us, when you think about worship, the first thing you think about is music. Well, music is a huge part of our worship. We ought to just get so carried away in worshiping Him. I confess to you something. Do enough of those. I just tell you what I did. The bracelets, since He is sick. And I was just worshiping. I was just singing an old hymn in my car, and I got off on the wrong exit. I started going south instead of north, back to the church. But I was just carried away in worship. My focus was on Him. That's what worship is. Some of you know the story back in the 1990s at a church in Watford, England, Matt Redmond's church. They realized their people were just apathetic and indifferent and going through the motions, and it didn't appear to be any genuine worship. So they did something pretty radical. They pulled a sound system, they pulled the instruments, they pulled everything, and it was just the voices lifted to holy God to help them realize it's not about lights and sound and smoke and mirrors and all those things. It's the object of our worship. And their pastor said, when you come on Sundays, what are you bringing as your offering to God? And you know, one of the lines in that song says, I'll bring you more than a song. Now, worship, singing is a huge part of it. Listen, it's no mistake. I don't think this is just my opinion. You can take it for whatever that's worth. No mistake that some of our more liberal states in America have said, well, we don't like it, but the Supreme Court says you can go to church, but you can't sing praise to God when you go to church. I don't know about you, but I got a problem with it. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we have a governor in our state who recognizes our right to worship and our need to worship each other. So it's more than just music. In John chapter 4 and verse 24, we read, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's not just the song and the way that we feel in our spirit, but it's truth. It's worship based on the word of God. Be careful about what you sing. Be careful about what you listen to. Be careful about what you put into your brain, because even some stuff that goes under the guise of a southern gospel song or a modern contemporary chorus is nothing but garbage theologically. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we begin this 40-day journey today defining what is it anyway? If we're talking about worship, we're supposed to do this. What is it anyway? And I would submit to you that we can't worship him together corporately the way that we ought to if we've not worshiped him privately before we get here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 today. We'll look at a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. 
we stand as we give honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. Writing to the church at Corinth in chapter 6 and verse 19, Paul says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You're not your own, for you were bought with the price. So glorify God with your body. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you designed us with the desire and the capacity to worship. I thank you that you put your Holy Spirit inside of us to stir us up to want to give you glory in all things, whether it's singing or reading your word or listening to your word or witnessing or sharing with somebody else. God, may we view everything that we do as an act of worship to you, and we'll give you glory for that. God, I pray somebody here today or somebody watching on the World Wide Web, they just don't get it. They've never made you the Lord and Savior of their life, so they don't really understand what we're talking about. God, I pray today be the day of their salvation. Lord, for the believer who's taken their eyes off of you, and, and quite frankly, they've started to worship other stuff, their friends, their family, their car, their job, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, I pray you would root that mess out today and turn our attention and our focus to you because you alone are worthy. And we pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. In the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians, Paul had been dealing with some pretty major problems and issues in the church there at Corinth. There was worldliness, there was division, there was sexual immorality in the church, there were even believers taking each other to court and suing one another. So when he gets to chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he challenged them and us, because it's the Word of God written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he challenges us to view our lives in a completely different way. I don't come to church to worship. I ought to come to church already worshiping. Does that make sense? Every aspect of our life. What is the definition of worship? I think this is on your outline. If not, write it down anyway. Worship is our response to what we value the most. Worship is our response to what we value the most. If you value your family the most, that's what you worship. If you value your job the most, that's what you worship. If you value your college football team, you pray for your pastor. I'm kind of okay with delayed baseball. I don't give two hoots about NBA, but I'm going to need therapy if we don't have college football this fall. I'm just telling you. So do I worship that? Do I get more excited about college football than I do about Jesus? That's a problem. That becomes an act of worship if we do that. Write this down. It's on the back of your worship guide today. If you're watching on the World Wide Web, you can jot it down. It's on your screen. Worship is a lifestyle, number one. Worship is a lifestyle, not an event. It's a lifestyle of living for Jesus, bringing him honor, not an event. As I said, I don't come to church to worship. I come to church already worshiping, and it's the overflow of what God's been doing in my life all week long. Worship is a lifestyle, not an event. Well, you're listening good, so let's just move on to number two. Write this down. Worship is about God's glory, not my preferences. Worship is about God's glory, not my preferences. In fact, I don't think God is concerned about the style of worship as he is the substance of our worship. Can I get a witness in the house? He's not as concerned about the style of our worship as he is the substance of our worship and the object of our worship. God can be glorified through an electric guitar, and can't Brent Wiley just tear that bad boy up? God can be worshipped through that. God can be worshipped in a robed choir. I'm not really into robes, but God can be worshipped with that. God can be worshipped with a pipe organ. God can be worshipped with, with blaring drums. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The Old Testament says, praise him even with the loud clanging cymbal. I like the fact that people have a hard time pegging who I am when it comes to my style. 
I had somebody say to me at another church, they said, now listen, Pastor, he said, we know you don't really like that Southern gospel music. Y'all know I love Karen Peck and New River and Mike LeFevre and Howard and Vestal Goodman. I was raised on the gospel singing Jubilee, amen. I shared that with another man. He said, well, preacher, we thought that's all that you did like. This past week in my office, I was listening to Cutlass and uh, Matt Redman and others. I like all of it. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. God is not as concerned about the style of our worship as he is the substance of our worship and the source of our worship. So while it may not be your favorite song, while it may not be your favorite style, if it brings God glory, can we just focus on that, amen? Can we focus on bringing God glory? And when I say a not about but not about my preferences but about God's glory if God leads you to raise your hand and say amen you raise your hand and say amen if God leads you to clap your hands you clap your hands if God leads you to just stand in reverential awe and respect you do that whatever God leads you to do because it's about him if you're doing it for a show to impress somebody else that's a problem and I've been doing this long enough I talk to people who say well, preacher I'm just not the emotional kind I just don't get real excited about things Mm-hmm. I've seen some folks in Sanford Stadium with half their face painted red, half their face painted black, black, and on kickoff we stand up and say, Go dog! Sick them. But in church, and I'm not saying bark in church. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But if I can get excited about football, some of you just got more excited about me saying that than anything else I've said so far today. Can I tell you, that would be a problem if that's the truth right there. We are all worshipers. It's a matter of what do you worship? What is the object of your worship? What is the source of your worship? And listen, worship is more about the posture of my heart than the posture of my body. Sometimes God tells me to go to my knees. Sometimes God tells me to stand up and lift my arms in praise. When people go, well, you know, I just didn't get anything out of that song that Pastor Mike sang today. Well, guess what? He wasn't singing it to you anyway. He was singing it to the Lord. And if the Lord is pleased, you just need to get your... Every song's not my favorite song either, but it's not about me. Look past people. Look past personalities. Look past all of that stuff, and let's look to Jesus and answer the question, what drives my worship? Paul asked him in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know? I can almost hear sarcasm in his voice. Don't you know? Don't you know it's not about you? Don't you know the motivation of worship comes from Jesus, the one who took over my life and I repented of my sins and made him my Lord and Savior? Paul, it's like he's surprised they don't get it yet. Like they should have been walking with the Lord long enough. They should have been beyond this. Don't you know that the greatness and glory of God ought to move you to worship him? Don't you know that the one who spoke the world into existence and flung the stars into space, just pondering him. That's why it's important what you believe. Your theology is important. We study theology. That's just the study of God. So we know who he is and we respond appropriately. God is holy. God is mighty. God is altogether separate. God is loving. God is forgiving. God is merciful. All those things ought to move us and motivate us to the one who's worthy of all praise. Don't you know? That's why some of us worship, because we know. That's why some of our worship is not right, because we don't know. We don't have an accurate image of who God is. If you don't see him as the sovereign creator of the universe, I can see how you get more excited about other things. Our understanding of who God is is what compels us to worship. How do I know God? How do I know theology? Is it by reading theology books? Nothing wrong with that. But you better start right here. This is the book, 66 Divinely Inspired Love Letters, true for all people, for all places, and for all times. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 tell us that the Word of God is 
active. It's that's Hebrews 4:12. Living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 says the word will tell you what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. It's right here. I will never rightly worship the King of all kings if I'm not spending time in his book every day. When do you get to that point, preacher? Never. I'll never arrive. I'll never get to a point in my life when I stop studying Scripture. If you ever think you've arrived and you've got it all, you are headed for disaster at that point. Listen, if my God were small enough that I could explain away everything about him, my little pea brain, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. It's the greatness of God. He's inexhaustible. Do we throw up our hands and give up? No, we spend time in his word every single day. Number three, write this down. What fuels our worship? Worship is fueled by the one who lives inside of me. Worship is fueled by the one who lives inside of me. Not the style of music, not the worship leader, not the, the lighting in the building. Worship is fueled by the one who lives inside of me. Paul says, don't you know the Holy Spirit who is in you? He reminds him, the Holy Spirit of God, if you're a child of God at the moment of your salvation, when you said, I messed up, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, Lord Jesus, I believe you lived a perfect life. I really believe you died on that old rugged cross for my sins. They laid him in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he came back to life. Lord, forgive me. When you've done that, at the moment of your salvation, Scripture teaches, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. The one who lives inside of you ought to fuel and motivate your worship. Don't you know your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. Our salvation has been paid for. Write that down. I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to come to church enough. I don't have to worship with my mouth enough. I can't give enough money. Our salvation has been paid for. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it whiter than snow. On that cross, Jesus paid the penalty of all of my sins. Here's the way it's told in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to a cross. I was a slave to my sin. I was a slave to my evil desires. But Jesus died for me on that old rugged cross so I can sing as we just did that my chains are gone. I've been set free. You're not your own. You no longer belong to yourself. There's not a single area of your life that you can point to that Jesus doesn't say, that's mine. Well, you know, what I, what I do when it's just me by myself, Jesus says, that's mine. The stuff that I watch on TV, I'm not hurting anybody, Jesus says, that's mine. The garbage music that we can put into our brain, it's not a big deal. Jesus says, that's mine. I've been bought with the price. Everything about me is determined by the relationship I have with him. And as we grow in our relationship with him, we realize the spirit of God lives inside of us. We realize he purchased our salvation with his blood. There's no area of my life that I can look at and say, God, that part is off limits to you. It's worshiping him with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, all of my mind. Write this down. Our life is his home. Our life is his home. The Holy Spirit who is in you. At the moment of your salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to reside inside you. Scripture teaches that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what I do with my body matters. If I don't take care of my body, and listen, I know some of you, at least me anyway, but the first two weeks of quarantine, I put on eight pounds just home eating all the time. 
You know, and the older we get, young people, take care of yourselves now while you can. The older we get, the more difficulties we have. I haven't been able to do push-ups for years. I'm going to have surgery on that hand soon. Maybe that'll change. been trying to do some more crunches when we did our, 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 our 31 days with our men's group early in the morning, start doing crunches, and I keep messing up my back and neck. Take care of yourself while you can, okay? Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When this one stops, I don't get another one. When this one wears out, I don't get another one. So it is important for me to realize this isn't just my body. It's a big deal. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is not physically present on this earth for people to see. He's spiritually everywhere. But people ought to see Jesus in me. The way that I live my life, the way that I control my body. It's important the substances you put in your body. You say, well, I'm not really hurting anybody. Well, the Bible talks about alcohol. It bites like a serpent. I think it's a big deal what you put into your body. Now, because we had COVID and we kind of got off track with our Untouchable series, some of you think you're off the hook because I didn't get to preach my message on alcohol. It's still on my desk, and I'll get to it one day. I hadn't forgot about that. Have you ever been to somebody's house, and you can just tell they really don't want you there? Has that ever happened to you? You know, back if you didn't go to visitation every Tuesday night at church, bless God. I told my youth workers, if you're too busy to go visit teenagers, bless God, you're too busy to be a youth worker. Things are different now. When, some, when the doorbell rings in my house, I'm just going to be honest. I think, oh, no, is it Jehovah's Witness? What is it? You know, you got to get up and get dressed right and pick up stuff. But back in the day, we went visiting. Many times I've been in a home, and I can just tell, the Holy Spirit is not drawing this person. They don't even want me there. Do I make the Holy Spirit feel that way about my life? I want the Holy Spirit to be at home in my life. I want him to feel like I recognize my body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you were bought with a price, he said. He ought to feel welcome in our home. The Spirit of God exists to bring him glory. He lives inside of us, and he will move us to pure worship. You say, well, I just don't really get into singing praises. You better check your heart then. Because when the Spirit of God lives inside, you just can't help it. You've got to let that stuff out. And the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth to understand the Word of God. And it's that truth that moves us to worship. The one who lives inside of me, the Holy Spirit fuels my worship. Write this down, number four. My true worship is revealed in the way I live my life. My true worship is revealed in the way that I live my life. 1 Corinthians 6.20, so glorify God with your body. My worship is evidenced by my lifestyle choices. My worship is evidenced by what I do, not how loud I sing in church, how on-key or off-key I sing in church, the places I go and I take His Holy Spirit, the things I put into my body, whether it's food or substances or filthy media, stuff that ought not to be going in there. What I do reveals my worship. Here's the reality. We behave what we believe, and we believe what we behave. I can say I believe the whole Bible from cover to cover, but if I don't obey the truth of God's Word, I don't really live God's Word. I don't really believe God's Word. That's why the most important appointment you'll have every day of your life is to spend time in the Word of God. Some of you may not be doing that right now. We want to help you. That's why we've written this 40-day devotion guide. Some of you may have never had a devotion together with your children in your home. We've written a devotion to help you do that. I pray that over the next 40 days, some of you who maybe never pick up a Bible, I pray you will develop a habit in your life over these carry you for the rest of your life because what's inside this book will move you and motivate you to worship not only what I read I'm not just reading the Bible to check off a legalistic box in my life I've done that before have y'all I mean you know you're supposed to have a quiet time so have a quiet time I'm not saying your heart has to be 100% right to have a quiet time you know if I don't feel like brushing my teeth I still need to brush my teeth 
If I don't feel like taking a shower, I still need to take a shower. If I don't feel good and I don't want to read the Word of God, I show sure enough need to read the Word of God if I don't do anything else that day. You can say that you love Jesus, but if he's not a priority in your life, your actions show that's not really accurate. Because he says, glorify God in your body. It starts in the Word of God every day. So don't show up in church once a week on a Sunday to check off a legalistic box to make up for all Monday through Saturday. It doesn't work that way. Again, we come to church worshiping out of the overflow of what God's done in our lives to what we value the most. What do you value the most? When you realize that you're a sinner deserving to go to hell, we all are, Romans 3.23, we're all in that boat. When you realize that Jesus Christ, God's personal expression of himself, who never sinned not one time, Considering that he had siblings, that makes that even more remarkable, that he never sinned not one time, qualifying him to be the long-awaited and the long-promised Messiah. When you realize what he did for nobodies like me and people like you, that ought to just result in overflowing worship in my life. While I was an enemy of God, Jesus died for me. What does your worship reveal about the way you value the things of God? The French have a good proverb. Sometimes the French get it right. They say a good meal ought to begin with hunger. What does that mean? A good meal ought to begin with hunger. If you're not as hungry, you're not going to enjoy the meal. You know, when I knew recently for our anniversary, I was going to take my wife to Poor Richard's. I wanted some snacks that afternoon, but I didn't eat them because I want to be able to enjoy our anniversary meal at Poor Richard's. A good meal begins with hunger. Good worship ought to begin with hunger. God, I want to know you more. God, I want to experience you more. God, I want to give you glory. Effective worship begins with a hunger for God. And what Paul's saying in these verses, it really touches every aspect of our life. It's intellectual. He says, do you not know? It's intellectual. It's spiritual. He says, the Holy Spirit within you. It's spiritual. And it's also physical. He says, glorify God with your body. So worship is about every aspect of my being, intellectually, spiritually, and physically. I will never be the person God's called me to be. I'll never be the man of God, the husband of God, or the pastor that God wants me to be if my life is not consumed with bringing him glory. Look at your conclusion. Number one, write this down. Do you treasure God above all else? Do you treasure God above all else. I kind of said earlier, if the most excited you've been in church in a long time is when I just did the Go Dogs cheer, that's a, probably a sign that something's not quite right there. If you're more excited about that than what Pastor Mike just led us in doing. Now, if you're not saved, that's number two, write this down. Are you certain of your relationship with Christ? Are you certain of your relationship with Christ? Because if you're not, I, I get that you don't get it. I get that you don't understand. Now, I enjoyed music. I enjoyed that I had a granddaddy who raised me watching the gospel singing Jubilee, but I was lost. It was just emotional. It was something I did because I loved my papa and I wanted to make him happy. But not until I gave my life to Jesus did I really understand what worship is. Are you certain of your relationship with God? And here's, the, here's something that has literally split churches in two. It's divided churches and made people get mad. It's hindered, and hindered the worship of God. Number three, are you honestly more interested in your personal preferences or God's? Pastor Mike, don't sing the songs you like. Bless God, I'm just going to take my marbles. I'm going to go play somewhere else. You got the wrong idea of worship. And one of the awesome things about our worship pastor, he's something for everybody. He's very good at blending contemporary, traditional, all of that stuff. Are we more interested in our personal preferences or in God's glory? Number four, write this down. What do the actions of your life say about your worship? 
What do the actions of your life say about your worship? More than the songs we sing, the prayers we pray, the sermons we preach or listen to, the actions of my life, what does that say about worship and the glory of God? The last question is, will you join us in this 40-day journey? Will you commit for the next 40 days? Now listen, in the next 40 days, Lord willing, if they don't shut down Florida, I'll be away on vacation, but I'll have my devotion book. I'll be reading the same thing you're reading every day. One of, the, one of those Sundays, Pastor Andrew, Lord willing, will be preaching, and we'll be worshiping from Panama City Beach, Florida. If they don't shut down the state, if they do, I'm going to need counseling for that too, probably because I love the beach, but I love Jesus more. Will you join with us in this 40-day journey of worship with our church family? There was an American historian by the name of Roger Babson who was visiting the president of Argentina in South America over 100 years ago. And the president of Argentina said to this American historian, will you please tell me why it is that South America, with her unlimited resources, having been settled earlier than North America, has nevertheless made much slower progress in civilization and in prosperity? Why does it seem that South America is not as North America? The historian kind of struck. I don't really answer that. I don't really know. I can't answer that question for you. The president of Argentina over a hundred years ago said this: South America was settled by Spaniards who came seeking gold, while North America was settled by the Pilgrim Fathers who came seeking God. The blessings of God, the the spiritual foundations of our nation that are not always taught in our government schools today are rooted in the desire to worship, the freedom that we can worship the Lord freely without persecution, without any state-mandated religion. That's the foundation of America, the men and women who gave their lives to come and laid this foundation. Was it perfect? No. Listen, if we take away everything that's imperfect, I heard a CNN commentator, I believe somebody told me yesterday, they got half of it right. They said, if you take away everything that's not perfect, all you've got left is Jesus and his mother. Well, they got it half right because Mary needed salvation too. The only one who never sinned is Jesus. If you take away everything, if we go through, if you're looking for only perfect pastors, you ought to go ahead and fire me. You've heard enough of my story. If you're looking for, I don't know all the people who founded this church in the 1800s, one of the oldest churches in the county. If I find out that some of them had sin in their life, no, I don't have to find out. I know so. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So do we topple this church on this hill because there's sinful people here? If you just look around the building, I'm so pleased this many people are here, even with the spread of the virus. But everybody you're looking at is a sinner, especially your preacher that you're looking at right here. Do we tear it down because of that? No, we thank God for the spiritual foundation of our nation. We purpose in our heart that we're going to apply 2 Chronicles 7, 14, where God said, if my people who are called by my name, Christians will humble ourselves and pray and seek his faith, and turn from our wicked ways, God says, then, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. Revival in America starts right here. Revival in America starts in the church house, not the White House. Revival in America starts in the local New Testament church, not in the halls of Congress. I pray that revival will start in American churches, and it would sweep to the Congress, and it would sweep to the White House. In every corner of this world, we would bring worship to holy God, for he alone is worthy. Would you pray with me? Only you can answer questions like this in your heart. If you died five seconds ago, do you know beyond any doubt that you'd be in heaven? Not because you're a good person, not because you're a church member, but because Jesus Christ died on an old rugged cross for my sins and for your sins. And there's come a time in your life when you said, Lord Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need you to forgive me. 
Forgive me for the mess I've made. God, I trust you to take control. That's what the word Lord means. He's in control. God, I want you to forgive me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And the Bible says when that happens, you become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Have you ever done that before? If not, Scripture says today is the day of your salvation. I'm asked more frequently in the last couple of weeks than I've ever been asked in my whole life. Preacher, do you think the end is near? You think God's going to be sending Jesus to rapture his church soon? I can't answer that question because the Bible says nobody knows. Not even the Son knows. Only the Father knows. But I can tell you this, we're closer now than we've ever been. As I look at the rampant sin and immorality in our world and things that are wrong are celebrated and things that are right are mocked. I look at what God did when he judged Sodom and Gomorrah. Who are we to think that if God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, he's not one day going to judge America, who is found nowhere in Bible prophecy, no mention of the United States. Will we no longer be a nation? I don't know. Will we just be so irrelevant on the world scene? I don't know. But the one thing I do know is I'm safe and secure in the palm of the hand of my heavenly Father because I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the seas heard my despairing cry from the waters, lifted me, now safe am I. No matter what's going on in the world today, when your heart is right with holy God, you can lay your head on your pillow at night in peace, knowing he's in control. If you're freaked out by the events of the world, either one of two things is true. Either you are not a believer, maybe you've had a false sense of security about your salvation, or maybe you're a believer that you've taken your eyes off Jesus, you've not worshiped him from his word, you started to worship other things deemed more important in your life than Jesus. That can make us get messed up in our thinking. If you fit in any of those categories, if you've never been saved, I invite you today just to pray where you are, whether it's in this building, in your living room, driving down the road in your car, listening to us. Say, Lord, I know I'm not perfect. I believe Jesus did live a perfect life. I believe he was crucified for my sins. I believe after they laid him in that tomb, he came back to life three days later, just like the Bible says. And because of that, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to save me. If you just prayed something like that, listen, don't you ever get tripped up on the words of a preacher. Again, salvation is more about the posture of your heart than repeating the words of a preacher. If you just genuinely said, Lord Jesus, I want you to save me. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. There's a party like you wouldn't even imagine, far greater than the 4th of July celebrations we had yesterday. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's important if you just prayed and asked the Lord to save you, to make that public. Don't be ashamed of him. You say, preacher, some stuff in my life is just not right. And the Word of God has pricked my heart today and shown me, although I know I'm a Christian, my priorities are out of whack, and I need to make that right. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In just a moment, we'll have a time of invitation due to the restrictions of COVID and the pandemic. This is just a time for you to be private with the Lord Jesus. I won't come down and speak to you and risk giving you any germs but if you want to come to this altar and pray privately you do that you just want to pray in your seat you do that the song that 
Pastor Mike's about to lead us in. It's not just a formality in a service. It's an opportunity for you to examine your heart. It's an opportunity if you say, as far as I know, everything's all right between me and God. It's an opportunity for you to give him some more praise and some more worship. Lord Jesus, may you be pleased. May we respond appropriately because you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. If you're able, would you stand together right now? As I just said in my prayer, if you want to come and pray privately, we'll give you the space to do that, social distance and pray. If you want to pray in your seat, you do that. At the close of the service, if you need, have somebody, you want somebody to pray with you about a commitment, whether it's to join our church, to be one of the 120 in 2020, we're begging God to do. It's a big task. We didn't meet for months, but how big is our God? I believe God can still do that. You say, I know I'm a believer, been scripturally baptized. I'm looking for a church to join. Come and speak to one of us after the service. We'll take care of those details. Maybe in recent days you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never made that public and you've never been baptized. Come and talk to one of us. We'd love to make that possible for you. Let's stand together. We already stand and let's respond as we Amen. sing. Amen. Let's sing together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. blessed assurance Amen. that only comes from Jesus. We have a very special testimony that we want you to hear at this time. If you'd be seated for just a moment, one of our faithful deacons, Brother Joe Gabogel, is going to come and share with us, and he asked specifically that we sing that song. And I'm ready to hear why did he specifically ask that we sing that song. Brother Joe, you come, you got a microphone for him, and you share from your heart, and then Pastor Chase will come and share some other information with us. Is that something I did? <laughs> Good morning, church. Yeah, I did not. Better? All right. Thank you. Good morning, church. Uh, as Pastor mentioned, that's a, one of my favorite songs. But as he said also, you have to have a, a, a bunch of favorite ones. So that's just one of them. Uh, many of you know me. I'm Joe Bogla. In case you didn't know, I stay in the front most of the time. Try to greet it. It's good to see you. <laughs> uh, several of you have heard, you know, there's a, a new change in our family. Uh, God has done some amazing things. But I want to share with you the backstory of that before, you know, we get to what's happening now. A uh, few months ago, many of you have prayed for my mother, prayed with me. And uh, I want to thank you for that first. And fa uh, backward few few years, uh, my sister uh, that I loved very much passed also. 
and several of you have prayed with me. And those were very difficult times, very, very hard. And especially my mother passed in February, end of February, the day before my daughter's birthday, which would be a good reminder for me. I'll never forget that. So when all that happened, COVID hit and all that travel ban and all the kind of things kind of just, it was hard. It was difficult. But the reason why I'm standing up here today is to share with you how much I've appreciated what God has done through his saints, this church. So first of all, my praise is to God. And second, I wanted to thank you for what you have done by knowing or not knowing that you have done how you have touched my life in ways that you probably might not even know. So I thank you for that, for giving me that opportunity to begin with. And to go on, I would like to sing a song in my native language. You probably might have to have a translator, but I'm the only one here, so find me afterward. <laughs> it said, Me wu mo ji de toa wonu. 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 Afika nye hona me la cho avanama. Nye hona me la cho avanama. Nye hona me la cho yehoa go. Jifo plani ban wola go. Psalm 121. Look it up. That's the same word, but just in a different language. So that story kind of reminded me during those tough times, I don't have anywhere else to look, but look up on the hills to the creator of the heaven and earth. I didn't know anywhere else to go. Several of you have tested me. If you need anything, let me know. Those meant a lot to me. I struggled with it. I couldn't see my, my dead mother's, mother's body. I couldn't be at a funeral. A lot of things were dear to my heart, but I couldn't make it happen. But thanks to you, God has shown me how it is important to be part of a local assembly. So I thank you for that. Thank you dearly. It, it, it means a lot to me. I know the Pentecost and the Methodists are already at lunch, so I won't keep you very long. But I'll move on and say that, <laughs> you know, waiting on the Lord has been a great experience for me. End of last year, I, I applied for a position in, the, in my work. I thought I was suitable for it. I was going to get it because I've been welding for about 10 years. And I thought, well, you know, if it's a supervisor position for a welding department, obviously they know that I have the experience for it. I got turned down. It didn't make any sense. I've applied for another one and got turned down. It still didn't make any sense. And then the third one came around. And when I applied for it again, you ever had that feeling you sat in an interview and you knew that you're not going to get that job, but you kind of sat through it? Ever, you know, yeah, that was kind of feeling. So I got that interview, and while I was walking out, I told, you know, the senior supervisor, I told him, I said, you know what, I'll give you my official answer. I knew that I was not going to get it anyway. I got the meaning of no by getting through all those interviews and knowing that I get to the dead end. As soon as I walk out, I saw another job posted. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about that department. I never, I heard about it vaguely. So a guy joked about it. He said, uh, are you going to apply for that? He didn't know what went through my mind. So I was like, you know what? I'll take you upon our, I went to the HR, I, apply, I got the application, I applied for it. And they called me for the interview. I went to the interview. It went okay. I said, well, God, you have a sense of humor. I didn't know anything about this department, you know. 
So this is kind of scary. So I got a second interview, and it went okay. I told my boss about it, and he's like, well, you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. I said, well, you know, I've been close, and it never worked, you know, so don't fire me yet. I'm not gonna get it, you don't know. So long story short, you know, few, last Thursday, I had to present before our vice president, and to hear the words that some of them were saying, you know, that they will miss me in the manufacturing side, you know, moving to the engineering department or why not, touched me very dearly, but gave me a reminder that in the middle of all that, when I didn't know what to do, I only know one thing to do. Colossians 3.23, do everything that I can, do everything that I do to honor God. Even though things were not going the way I thought, I prayed for my sister, she ended up passing. I prayed for my mother, she ended up passing. I applied for jobs that I knew that I qualified for, but I didn't get it. But you know what? There's only one thing that I know how to do. Trust in God with all my heart. Proverbs 3, 5. I mean, that's the only thing that I know how to do. So church, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I do know one thing for sure. As you trust him with all your heart, Things might not be perfect in your life. Things might not go the way you want it. Things might not look the way you intend it to be. But you know what? I ask you to please put your faith in him. Trust him with all your heart. And don't forsake your assembly. And I tell you what, he does amazing things. And I promise you, I don't know all about the job that I'm going to be doing, but I do know one thing for sure. He is with me, and I'm not, I'm not afraid. I know that he is before me and he is behind me. And he's going to do great things in my life, in your life. And I thank you for your time. Now let's go eat lunch. Thank you, Joe. That was awesome. I'm convinced, honestly, if we had about five Joes in the world, it'd be an absolutely better place. Um, but listen, we, we are excited that you joined us here today. Excuse me. Don't, I just got a little allergies. I'm good. I'm a little choked. Excited that you join us here today. In fact, on that same note, if you're sitting in one of our green tape sections and you need to go ahead and head out, you can go ahead and head out to kind of beat the crowd. You're not going to offend me if you start walking toward the exit now. That's okay. And as you leave, well, of course, we have our folks in the back uh, ready to receive our offering and our, and our love gifts as we worship through giving. I know the pastor is going to talk about that later uh, in, in during this 40 days. So, We'll have those guys there to, to receive that. And just as we continue to go through this time, whether it be online or by text message, in person, via the mail system, however you want to give uh, the offering, we, we'll, we'll take it. I can even come meet you at your house if you want to do that, if you want to see me. Um, but uh, not next week, though, cause, or not this week, because we'll be at youth camp. But listen, speaking of youth camp, I have put out in front, on the front pews, um, bracelets. Now, the way this is going to work, uh, this is from Pastor Andrew. If you guys feel so led to come down and tear off one bracelet, and you, it has a name of a student or someone, a staff member, whoever's going to be working at the camp, it is there. Um, and you can just put it on your arm as a reminder to pray for that student throughout the week. It'll, it'll be there. You wear it throughout the week. You'll see their name, and you'll stop and pray for them. It's a great idea. I think so. You can get one that have been uh, microband. Uh, we microband them this morning just out of, out of caution. And that stuff, that company's making a killing, I bet, right now. That stuff's powerful. Um, so, yeah, so you can stop down and get one of those. A few more announcements, of course. Don't forget to get your 
uh, devotion book out front. Grab it as you leave. We start today with, of course, our family devotion. You can do it tonight with your family. And then we start with our normal uh, weekly devotions uh, going forward. If you, you can, if you don't have a book, you want to do it online, we have a link that's going to be posted to Facebook later. Each week we're going to post the family devotion on Sunday to remind you. And then after that, you can follow on the week, and it'll be, of course, that link will stay the same. And you'll have a copy. If you want to print one of these off at your house, you're more than welcome to do that as well because it'll be the exact same book in the exact same format. Um, one more announcement, and I'm going to pray, and we'll leave. This is from Pastor Kevin. Right here, i got to read it out because it was a lot. Uh, Kevin says, today is the first Sunday in our parade through July with Jesus. Today's theme is freedom in the Father. Please allow parents and children. Oh, hold on. So, so today, um, of course, Pastor Kevin is out there. That's why he wasn't able to make this announcement. He is out in the front. If you have a, 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 a young children and part of the children's ministry, they have packets there all throughout the month of July. They are giving out different packets of different information, different activities for you to do at home with your kids since we don't have Sunday school going on right now. So if you're, if you're a parent with a child, you can get up as soon as I pray and head out to under the portico where you can get that, that information there. So I'm going to pray again. We have the men in the back receiving our offering. So let's just, uh, let's just, let's just keep worshiping throughout the week, guys, and let's just, let's just keep digging in. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for, for loving us, God, whenever we're loving us when we're not together. God, loving us whenever we're, we're scrambling and, and there's confusion and, and, and chaos and we're, we're trying to, to get everything and make it happen on time, God. And sometimes we uh, take our eye off the main thing and that, that's you, God, that's worshiping you. I know, if I can just speak personally for a second, Sunday mornings are, are crazy for me, Father. And I, I think sometimes I was guilty of it this morning in the, in the chaos of trying to, to pull it all together. I kind of forgot what today was about. And that's worshiping you, God. And if there's anybody out there today that, like me, took their eye off the prize, which is you today, let them put it back on you, God, because you, you're there waiting, God, waiting to re- receive our worship. And we're grateful. For that, God, take these offerings and, and tithes and, and love gifts as we as we pour them out unto you, Father. Whether they be in person or online, God, you 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 make all things work together for your good, God. So take this, whatever it may be, and allow it to work together for your kingdom, God. Let us let us experience worship as we give, and you will receive all the glory, honor and power for it. God, be with our students as we embark upon youth camp. God, be with those of us who are heading down early here in a bit to, to set up for our students, God. So, so let us just have a, a, a truly remarkable, inspiring, worshipful, impactful time over the next week. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, thank you all for being here. If you're a parent with a, a, a child, you can head out under the portico. If you're a first-time guest and want to meet with our pastor back there, we have a gift for you. Again, we're excited you're here. And then if you want to come talk to me or our pastor Mike, we'll be ready to receive you. All right, thank you.